welcome to the Abundant Life Church Podcast, equipping people to live successful Christian lives. And yes, we're starting this two-week series today on the missing piece. And um, so through this series, the, the underlying question is this, where is the peace? Where is the peace? And all across the world and our nation, even nominal churchgoers are going to be already entering into this Christmas spirit and season. And everybody knows there's a phrase, peace on earth, goodwill to men on whom his favor rests. We can say that by heart, but where is the peace? Where is it? The peace factor really has grown so thin in many people's lives, and the peace factor has grown great in many as well. And if you're missing peace or you know someone that's missing peace, then would you lean in for the next couple of weeks? And you you and I have the ability to say that there is peace on the earth as far as it relates to my heart today and to my mind and to my life. God has brought peace into the world. And, And for the church online this morning, we're glad to have you with us. But maybe you could type in today in the comments, peace on earth, just to remind yourself and remind each and every one of us that God has promised us a peace. This promise has come seven to eight hundred years before the angels spoke that to the shepherds in Bethlehem. The prophet Isaiah wrote it like this in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. For a child will be born to us, a son is given, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, everlasting father and all together now prince of peace yeah and the original word there for peace is the word shalom can you say that with me shalom he will be called the prince of shalom that's what the bible says he will be called the prince of shalom to the hebrew mind in that day it did not simply mean the absence of war i hope you know that the absence of conflict, but shalom is a far more robust word than that. Shalom at its heart means flourishing. So when God says he's going to be the prince of peace, it doesn't mean he's just going to come, initiate a truce with all of humanity or all the animosity with enemies. It means that Jesus is going to come, and as Jesus comes, he's going to usher in the flourishing that God desires for our world, for our relationships, and for all of our lives. Next week, I'm going to talk more about the Prince of Shalom. We're going to enter into that, but today I'm going to go in a little different direction. But if you look at God's word, flourishing is coming with Jesus because he is the Prince of Shalom, the Prince of Peace, and that's what the angel heralded in Luke Chapter 2 and verse 14, peace on earth, goodwill to men. That's the voice that we need to hear today, that, that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. You, you know, there are many voices going on in our heads at any given time, right? Have you noticed that there are voices going on inside of you that you disagree with? Have you ever had that happen to you? There's voices going on inside of you that you disagree with, and you wonder, how in the world are you disagreeing with me because you are me? You ever had that happen? Yes, we have. We're human. That's because you are actually disagreeing with you. And if you 
pay careful attention, you realize that your soul is cluttered and crowded by all these voices that you have allowed to speak into your life. And many times, the voices that stay with us are the ones that damage us and hurt us, that leave us broken and can leave us shattered. And we need to pay attention to those voices going on inside of us because what is informing you is forming you. You need to know what is informing you today is forming you inside of your life, whether good or whether bad. We live in the greatest nation on earth, filled with amazing, beautiful, creative, smart people, but also what you find is a society filled with anxiety and despair. And, and so many people that look great on the outside are broken and tormented on the inside. The ones that we celebrate on the outside are the ones tormented on the inside. And there's an internal battle that, that many of us are fighting today that is going on inside of us. And, it, and the, the war is full-fledged. There are some that are here today that you can't even explain why, but you are filled with sorrow. There's others that are here today that you are, you're depressed. We have become so nuanced in fear that we have medical language for it called phobias, right? So the word phobia just means fear. And, and now we can actually really kind of organize our fears so you can be afraid of heights or afraid of crowds or you can be afraid of spiders and you can be afraid of the dark. And the more you have of something in a culture, the more language you have to describe it. And there's a lot of language around phobias and fears, right? We, we all have them, but we've categorized it now. So, you know, words mean things. So how many, how many words do you have for snow in your vocabulary. I mean, you think about that. You think about, well, snow in general. We know that it's snowing. Flurries, which is snow without ambition, if you will. You have sleet, which is angry snow, right? All these words come to mind. But an Eskimo has over 30 words for snow because his experience with it is more refined. And the more you have of something, the more language you have to describe it. You may not realize this, but the growing language of, phobia, of phobias are actually an expression of how much we are bound and controlled and paralyzed by our inner world. Have you realized that? That so many times we're bound and controlled more than anything else on the outside is by our words internally. 25-year-olds having panic attacks, 14-year-olds struggling struggling with suicidal thoughts. Where does this fit in our faith journey? Where does it work itself out inside of our life in Christ? Um, how can this be for those of us that have proclaimed Jesus as our Prince of Peace over our lives? Maybe part of the problems is we haven't given ourselves permission to be honest about the human journey. We pretend to read the Bible and that we know of the stories of the Bible, and that actually is more dangerous than reading and understanding the Bible. That we can actually hear about David in the Old Testament, and hear about Joshua, and hear about Deborah, and Esther, and Ruth, and, and we end up comparing our life, right, your real life, with their highlights. 
and you think, wow, why can't I have a life like that? You ever read a Bible story and say, why can't I have a life like that? Why can't I have a life like David or, or Joshua or, or, or Esther or Ruth? Except if you actually read their life, you would say, I don't want their life. I'm okay with mine. You ever, you ever thought about that? Really, when you think you want it, then you read about it. And you're like, no, I'm okay with mine. I, I don't want that type of life. Today, I want us to go into a moment in the life of one of those people whose highlights was so extraordinary. We go, wow, okay, that's how God works. That's how I want God to work in me and for me. And what you need to realize is in between the highlights is the real life of their life. We have a growing epidemic in our country and in our world today of violence and rage. There was a time when we knew about wars and rumors of war, but now we're not just afraid of the battle lines. We're afraid of our high schools and our middle schools, and our children live in fear because nothing seems to be safe. Are you hearing me say yes? If you think about it, humanity is amazing. We've created the light bulb, projected sound waves, and communicate across the world. We've harnessed solar energy. There's something special about this species called humanity. And we're the species who invented the internet and the cell phone. We're the species who cannot figure out how to get world peace, though. How is it possible that we can fly to the moon and provide domestic space travel, but we cannot figure out how to solve the problem of violence and war on this planet? Today, I want to talk to you today about how to have true peace. I'm talking about biblical peace. How do we have true peace? And I'm going to go to the story that you probably know very well in 1 Kings today. But the first one that I want us to realize is this. It's because we will never have world peace until we have inner peace. So many times we're looking for peace in something or someone else, but it's inner peace that God gives you and me. There's so much unrest within us. Until we win this battle, we will keep fighting the others. There's a moment in the life of Elijah in the Old Testament today that I want us to look at. Elijah was a superhero before X-Men or the Avengers. Elijah had this relationship with God. Elijah was the guy who prayed and stopped rain for coming for three and a half years. This is amazing, okay? This is amazing. He has a conversation with God and creation has to obey his request. And right before this passage we're going to look at, he's standing before 950 prophets of false gods and says, look, you're leading all of God's people away, so we're going to do something. We're going to build two altars. And you're going to build your altar to your gods, and I'm going to build an altar to my God, and we're going to pray to our gods, and whosoever God sends fire from heaven, that's the God we will worship. And everyone said, let's do it. Let's go for it. And so the prophets start crying out to their gods, and their gods never respond because you have to know this. It's really hard for gods who do not exist to respond. And they cried louder and louder, and Elijah was kind of cynical because you see in there, he says, maybe your God can't hear you, so maybe you should talk louder and you should pray louder. That's what he says in this passage. And the passage tells us, Elijah says, maybe your God is indisposed. That's the actual words in this scripture. Maybe your God has something to do. Maybe your God is constipated is the real word. You get a little bit of cynic inside of Elijah. So they begin cutting themselves and crying out, and nothing happened. And one of the greatest, 
greatest dangers in life is to pray to a God who does not exist because it will leave you empty, right? Then when it was Elijah's turn, he upped the ante and said, drench the altar with more water. And he prays this simple prayer like, you know, in my own terms, God, you got this. Fire comes down from heaven and not only consumes the altar, but also consumes some of the people around. And have you, have you thought if, if God would give you one moment like that you ever thought about that god if i could just have one moment like that in my life yes god me and you forever you ever thought about that before read a bible story wow if that happened to me go oh god i mean i'm in i'm good you never doubt god again and so but it doesn't work like that because watch what happens first kings chapter 19 verse 1 if you have your bibles now ahab told jezebel everything elijah had done and how he had killed the prophets with the sword so Ahab, who's this evil, you gotta understand this, he's evil, he's a malevolent king, tells his wife Jezebel, who's equally, if not more evil, and the reason why you know this is she is so evil is that there's not one woman here named Jezebel. If your name is Jezebel, I'm sorry about that, but you know. He tells her, he just prayed, came down, the, the, the fire came down from heaven, and all the prophets that were trying to lead people to darkness were gone. And Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, verse two, be it ever so severely by this time tomorrow if I don't make your life like one of them. And you know, we know women are powerful, right? And can be terrifying sometimes, okay? But this is a little odd that Elijah starts running for his life when a woman threatens to kill him. When you look at, all that he's been through just before this. Elijah was afraid, it says in verse three, and ran for his life. How do you explain that? He just prayed, fire came down from heaven and heard a message that a woman was coming for Elijah. Elijah, he's like a fire caller Elijah. That's who I am, but he runs for his life because he's absolutely afraid. How does our, how does our life of faith look like? Have you ever realized you can have mutually conflicting emotions in your soul at the same time? Right? You ever had that? I mean, you're filled with this, but you're also filled with that. You can be full of faith and have fear at the same time. You can be absolutely certain and absolutely insecure at the same time. It's amazing. Your soul is torn. So he runs for his life in fear knowing all that God just did on a mountain. Most people who have a sincere faith in God, who have trusted Jesus with their life, they're good to go for the big problems for the most part. It, it, but it's like the small thing. It's that small thing that kind of catches us off guard, that throws you kind of off in your daily plan or the work of God. You're like, wow, things are going good. I just seen God move. And it's just the small things that get in there many times. And that's the problem with fear. That's the problem with anxiety. It's the expression of things that don't exist. I've had many people tell me they don't believe in God because they're too educated. They're too intelligent. But what's revealing, I've met people who believe they've, that they've evolved past faith, but I've never met anyone who believes they've evolved past fear. All fear is, is faith in the most negative future. You cannot have faith 
without fear. Fear is the negative expression of faith. Faith is imagining the worst case scenario. You, you know, it's, you're not afraid of what you're, you're afraid of what might happen and might never become real. Our minds are there many times, isn't it? We're, our mind is just spinning many times, even though we may be the people of God, that it's spinning on what, what could happen. And so this is what's happened in life of Elijah. But let's be people today that imagine the best faith-filled future forward. Can I hear an amen? Let's be people that believe that way. So he ran, and here's the crazy thing. Elijah was running for his life, but what he didn't realize, what he was running from his life. Be careful today, wherever you're at, whatever season, whatever thing that you're going through, as dark as it may be, be careful not to run for your life and from your life at the same time. Then he came, it says in this chapter, he came to Beersheba and left his servant there and went another day's journey into the wilderness. And he, he came to a broom bush and sat under it and prayed that he might die. You know, when you get depressed, you actually begin to materialize and manifest everything you fear. That's what happens. What's astonishing is Elijah actually believed that he was alone in the world. So he made sure he was alone in his own world. He felt like he was in a desert, so he ran into a desert. He, he, he felt like everyone had abandoned him, so he left his servant behind and he abandoned his own servant, the scripture says. Those things were materializing his mind. He actually went towards that place that he was materializing, but wasn't true. One of the crazy things that happens when you're not doing well um, is that you need to run towards community. Amen? You need to run towards people that love you and care for you. And the problem is, as many times we run away from community. We run away, we abandon people that are close to us. We run away because sometimes it's just our safety mechanism and our humanity. But what we truly need is we need each other and we need community. And so the important thing to realize is that when you are in that, you need to run to somebody that cares for you and loves you. Run towards community is you should be running towards God and running towards real life. You should actually be leaning into your fears. When you run away from your fears, you run away from your future. When you run away from your fears, you actually run from God, but you understand that God is never running away from your fears. He's never running away from your future and your freedom. And though he has called us to have an inner peace because the Prince of Peace has come. And it's not just something that's on the outside. It's a peace that has to be on the inside for us ever to have world peace. Number two, everything God has for you is on the other side of that fear. What are you fearing today? What is it? Everything that God has for you is on the other side of that. So he runs, Elijah, and he hides. And there's comedy in the Bible. Man, I hope you read the Bible knowing that there is some comedy in the Bible. Have you seen comedy in the Bible? God is a hilarious God. Seriously. I mean, you, you know, look at that. The Bible is just some dry book. Elijah goes, runs for his life, hides, and then he prays. Remember, this is the guy the Bible says in James 5, 17. Elijah was a person just like you and me. He prayed and didn't reign for three and a half years. Well, that is, that's a prayer life. If you prayed like that, you would know how to pray, wouldn't you, for sure? Absolutely. He knew how to pray. 
He prayed. It stopped raining for three and a half years. He prayed. Fire came down from heaven. And, and, and you see Elijah, he can only think of one prayer. And that is, it wasn't God help me with Jezebel. He never prayed that. God raise up an army. That's a pretty good prayer. God, how about this one? God help me to run faster. No, it's God kill me. Right? The funny part is, why is Elijah running? Because Jezebel says, I'm going to kill you. So he runs for his life. He hides in the desert. And the only thing he prays, God kill me. God's like, I took care of that back there. I already took care of that. You need to move to the other side of your fear now. You should be, I don't know about you, but you ever thought about the prayers you have prayed? I mean, I'm not, talk, I'm not talking about the godly prayers. I'm talking about just ridiculous, stupid prayers you prayed, right? You should be so glad God didn't answer so many of your prayers, right? So true. You, you should be. Because listen, when, when you're ready to give up, God was ready to get you up and get you going. There's maybe somebody here that maybe you have been praying that you might die. Suicide in our younger people is up over 50%. Listen, you and I, we're no different than Elijah. You may feel empty and alone and can't find the strength to keep going. And you feel suffocated today. Like life just feels so heavy. No one knows what you're going through, but you've been praying that you might die. There are so many people who struggle with inner voices telling them to end their lives. Some acted on it because they couldn't think of one reason to live. While you're running for your life, you're wasting your energy running from life, life rather than running for your life. No matter the voices, what they may be telling you, I want you to know today that your life is worth fighting for. Amen. Can I hear an amen? That your life is worth fighting for. And I want us for just a moment, because this is serious business, turn to the person next to you and say, your life is worth fighting for. It is. Turn to the people around and tell them, your life is worth fighting for. Your life is worth fighting for. Um, Elijah, he didn't measure his life by the highlight moment. And those moments that went on, he carried deep burdens within his life. God, I've had enough. I can't take it anymore. Many of you realize that success does not make you immune from feeling like a failure. That all the success in the world will never make you immune from making you feel like a failure on any given day. Because the deep sense of failure inside of us has nothing to do with what you accomplish in this life. It has everything to do with your disconnection in your soul with God who created you, who loves you, who knows you, and wants you, and loves you more than anyone else. Amen. That's what it's about. He goes on to say, I've had enough of my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. That's what he says here. Such an interesting thing for him to say. Do you hear what he's actually saying? I tried to be different. I tried to be more God. 
God, I tried to trust you and follow you and be a dependable person. That I'm no better than anyone in my past, God. I can't seem to break free from my past and create a different future ahead of me. I'm no better than my ancestors. There may be some here that today that you have spent so much time trying to be more, trying to be someone else. I don't know, have you ever felt like there are people in your life trying to pull you back into your past rather than set you free to your future? Elijah was already different than his ancestors and he couldn't see it. There was no one like him. He had made so much progress in his journey. There was such a deep presence of God in his life that even for a time, they forgot his name. They didn't even call him Elijah. They just called him the man of God. Anyone trying to hold you in your past, you need to leave in your past today. Surround yourself with people who understand who you are and who you are becoming. And the Bible says he laid down and he went to sleep. What do you do when you're depressed? Some of you sleep. Some of you don't sleep. Some of you eat. Some of you can't eat. Some of you fluctuate. He goes to sleep because he's so depressed because he doesn't have the energy to live any longer. And at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. When others may put you down and not understand your inner struggles with anxiety, depression, and a lack of peace, what God does is touch you and says, get up and eat. He touches you. He heals you because he loves you. It says he looked around and found some baked bread over hot coals and a jar of water. There is nothing like warm bread. Right? There's nothing like the smell. When Kristen's, you know, she's, she's baking bread, there is nothing like that smell in the whole world. Thoughts of heaven come to mind when the butter and the honey is running down. Hallelujah. Somebody can sing it, right? Right? Carbs are the way God heals you. I don't care what diet you're on or crazy crap you're believing. Carbs heal you. All right? They heal you. They will heal you. Then he ate and drank and went to sleep because he didn't want to get up and face life again. Then the angel Lord came back to him a second time and said, get up, eat, for the journey is too much for you. That's amazing. Get up and eat because the journey is too much for you. What's going on? God's like, you're, you're right. You're too weak for what's ahead, but there's something ahead. He begins by setting the framework. This is not the end of your story. It's the beginning of your story. You are not strong enough right now. You lack inner peace and strength, so I'm going to make you strong enough in this moment. For some of you, what you need most right now is to spend time with friends and laugh and enjoy and celebrate life. Last night, we had our pastoral staff and board, and uh, we had our staff members at the church have a Christmas dinner together, and we just wanted to laugh and celebrate and enjoy life. And we did that because there was laughter. Amen? Let me tell you, you, listen, if you're not laughing, you're already on the fast track to despair. Learn how to see the beauty and the wonder all around you again. Elijah, running out of fear and anxiety, running by himself, only had the strength to run one day. In his own strength, he only had the power to run one day. 
That's it. But now traveling with God and fueled by faith, he has the power to travel 40 days. How far are you and I willing to go to stand in the presence of God? So he goes to the mountain of God. He spent the night in the cave. And Listen, if you're in a cave right now in your life, you're in a transitional phase. You are living a life of obligation rather than intention. He's in a cave, so God begins to have a conversation with him. Look at what God says, verse 7. What are you doing here, Elijah? Wow, pinpointed. God isn't confused about where we are or how Elijah got there. I think he's asking us, why are we staying where we were never supposed to be in the first place? Anyways. He answers, all these people have been trying to kill me, verse 10. All these people have been trying to kill me. Here's what he said. I have been very zealous for the Lord Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with a sword. I am the only, I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Didn't you know that, God? Of course he knew that. And God answers in verse 11, <clears throat> go out and stand on the, <clears throat> excuse me, on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. We many times want God to sit in our despair. But God wants to pull us into the future that he's calling us into. Don't ever look for God to sit with you in your despair. He loves you and the Holy Spirit is your comforter. But he will never sit with you in your despair because there's a better future for you. Then a great and powerful wind toward the mountains apart shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind earthquake. Lord was not in that. Then fire, and he was not in the fire. And after that, there was a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? Then he repeats what he did before. I'm very zealous for the Lord. They've rejected your covenant. They killed your prophets. Now they're trying to kill me too. He goes back to that line. He goes back to that inner voice. But, but you have to realize that everything God has for you is on the other side of your fear. And that's what he was getting Elijah to. Everything that God has for you is on the other side of your fear. Don't stop short today. And then he goes in and he gives this instruction to Elijah and to us today. And that is number three, go back the way you came. Then the Lord said in verse 15, go back the way you came. Go back the way you came. Sometimes we're so frustrated with Jesus because we want him to give us a way around our fears or an easier road. I'm right there with you. So we never struggle or, or we're so afraid to fight for our faith. He sees too much in us, though, and, and so there's a, there's a journey. So go back the way you came and stand and face those fears and step into the darkness that made you run. Step back into those things that made you feel incapable or insignificant or powerless. As we're saying today, step back into it. Don't step away from it and hope that he will try to bring you around all of that. That's not how God works. He's going to take you through it. So he tells them, go back the way that you came. There are people in this room today, you need to go back the way that you came. When you believe that I wasn't enough for you, I want you to go back to the place and watch me work in you. And he came in this gentle whisper. 
So today is peace missing in your life. When Mary and Joseph arrive in Bethlehem, they end up in a cave on a lonely night, isolated from their family and the people that they loved, completely uncertain about their future. And into that night, without peace, God makes an announcement. There is a baby born today in Bethlehem, and he's the Savior of the world. And so let it be known. Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth. Goodwill toward men on whom his favor rests. Church, peace is not in the angel. It's not in the star. Listen, if you're looking to your astrology sign and all of that, it, the answer is not there. Quit looking at those things. There's no hope in that. The peace that you're looking for, true peace, is right in the manger. The Prince of Peace is here. The Prince of Peace is with us. And the peace that we just hear about needs to be an inner peace that God wants us to have. Is there a peace inside of your soul today? You keep struggling, that you're maybe discouraged, depressed, there's just so much unrest. Today, there can be an inner peace by you simply asking God to come and give you an overwhelming sense of supernatural peace. Let's pray. Father, I pray that upon your people today, here and online. Lord, that you are the Prince of Peace and you've come. Lord, I thank you that we can have a faith-filled future rather than backing away, that we would go back the way we came, Lord Jesus, and go back into it and realize that you're the Prince of Peace that's going to help us through. The Lord, our lives can be fueled by faith and not fueled by fear. Lord, I thank you for your voice that would come out louder and stronger more than any other voice that is inside of us or around us, Lord Jesus, today. Thank you, God, for the peace that you give to us. I pray right now for any person in this room, the sound of my voice, that the Lord doesn't want to live a day longer. Father, I pray right now your overwhelming sense of peace would touch them, minister, raise them up, God, and that they would find a faith-filled person or community to talk to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Listen, if you're struggling with your future and you are, you are saying, I don't want to live a day longer. I'd like to talk with you today. I'd like to pray with you. Right here, by the time we end this service, I'd like to speak with you because you need people around you that truly do love you and care for you. That he is the Prince of Peace and he's here with us. And not only that, he's inside of us to help a world that is absolutely in chaos today. May we be people that are faith-filled and full of peace. Amen. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to get in touch or would like more resources on how to live a successful Christian life, you can always find us at myabundantlife.com. Have a blessed week.